You Utah fellows, the golden voice of the great Southwest, and you are listening to Loafer's Glory, the hobo jungle of the mind. From Wendelberry, go with your love to the fields, lie easy in the shade. Swear allegiance to whatever is nighest your thoughts. As soon as the generals and politicos can predict the motions of your mind, lose it. Leave it as a sign to mark the false trail, the way you didn't go. Be like the fox who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction. Practice resurrection. back again up here in uh, my hometown in Nevada City, California. Yeah, it's me, Utah Phillips and Steve Baker, the uh, engineer on this run. First I was the Boersdorf Hawks and Eagles playing that wonderful Loafer's Glory music. We are in the studios of our little community station here uh, and we're so proud that we finally got our satellite downlink here. We're we haven't got a lot of money, and these little stations don't. It's like like Dick Gregory said, we're not poor, we're just broke. So we went to an auction, a Mongolian barbecue closed, uh, close by down in Sacramento, and um, they sold off the giant walk at an auction, so we bought it and brought it back up here and set it up as a satellite dish, and it works just fine. Trouble is, all the programs are in Chinese, Odd to hear Lake Ilbegot in Chinese. And this is Nevada City, as where the weather changes so often you don't know what to hawk. We are going to do some resurrection, as that Wendelberry poem said. I've been asked a number of times, why don't I play more of the songs that I made up? Uh, I guess that there's <laughs> there are so many good songs and there's so much good music. Well, I'm going to ask you to cast your mind back. Not that far up this way a little bit. Thanks. Yeah, right in there, right in there. Uh, go back to where I was born in Cleveland, Ohio in the mid-1930s. Uh, my brother was an older, uh, a year older than I. And my mother and father had separated. And, you know, what can a, a woman with two kids do uh, during that time? Well, my mother went to work as a fashion model for Higby Brothers in downtown Cleveland. She walked the runway up on the top floor there, and, and the young swains would come in for lunch and court the models off of the runway. That's how my mother met my stepfather, the man who raised us. My brother and I were babysat in the dressing rooms there. Of course, along about lunchtime, we could sneak out. We'd catch the elevator, go all the way down below Higby's, which was in a building called Terminal Tower. That was where the trains came in, the old uh, uh, Empire State and the nickel plate. Down underneath the street, there were great 
galleries of of uh, marble-sided stores, like a whole a whole mall sort of a place. But and then there were aisle after aisle of the great trains, the huge steam passenger locomotives, and it was a joy to stand out there on the platform when those when they signaled twice, they signaled uh, that they were going to they were going to leave, and you'd hear that chuff and the engine would start gathering some purchase, those driver wheels so high you, a grown man couldn't touch them with the top of his hand. And then it would vent an enormous cloud of hot, opaque steam that would completely envelop you. You'd be com- completely enveloped. I mean, it was as close as you're ever going to get to the way Wyoming probably ought to smell. But anyway, that's where you were headed when you got the chance. Well... That was my introduction to the trains, and of course that and riding the Nickel Plate Railroad down to Dayton during the war years. First time I rode the Nickel Plate, my mother made me eat a whole bulb of garlic. And I said, why is that? She said, so the conductor will give you a wide berth. Right now we're going to listen to an old, old, old recording of a... Uh, of a train caller. Those train stations were huge cavernous affairs, and why they had PA systems, I don't know, because the train callers would bounce the sounds from wall to wall. You couldn't understand where they were telling you to go, and not only that, you couldn't read the train schedules. It's a miracle we got any place at all. So you're going to listen to calling trains the way it used to be then. You're going to hear the Nickel Plate Railroad 759, stereo mic six inches from the track. It starts way off in the distance. If you, I, I recorded this the highest possible gain. So you, you crank your stereo up, and you will have a freight train running through the middle of your house. And then you're going to hear a song I made up for my older boy, Duncan, when I despaired of him ever having a chance to ride on the great trains. All else will always set the lurid Fights the Tulo Hammer He met in the sun Bloke with Kenwood Old Sykes might know him a call Brook Haven, West of Haven Where's Crystal Spring Here bound the Jackson The Turtle River And looks in Madison Canton Bond, picking Goodman, Durant, wine on a grenade, side is mental, dies, bird fool, and a hero, Covender, Sun Trailer, Ethanel, Mad Tomb, Champagne, Cactus, Chicago, train on track four, Salem, two. What's the train? Is it 
something I can write Does it carry lots of grown-up folks and little kids inside? Is it bigger than our house? Well, how can I explain when my little boy asked me, Daddy, what's a train? When I was just a boy, living by the track, us kids would gather up the coal in a big old gunny sack. Then we heard the warning sound as the train pulled into view. The engineer would smile and wave as she went rolling through. She blew so loud and clear, we had to cover up our ears. And we counted cars just as high as we could go. I can almost hear the steam and the big old driver scream with a sound my little boy will never know. Daddy, what's a train? Is it something I can ride? Does it carry lots of grown-up folks and little kids inside? Is it bigger than our house? Well, how can I explain when my little boy asked me, Daddy, what's a train? I guess the times have changed. Kids are different now. Some don't even seem to know that milk comes from a cow. My little boy can tell the names of all the baseball stars. I remember how he memorized the names on railroad cars. The Wabash and the TP, Lackawanna and the IC. Yeah, the nickel plate, the good old Santa Fe. Just names out of the past, I guess they're fading fast. Every time I hear my little boy say, Daddy, what's a train? Is it something I can ride? Does it carry lots of grown-up folks and little kids inside? Is it bigger than our house? Well, how can I explain when my little boy asked me, Daddy, what's a train? We climbed into the car and drove down into town. Right up to the depot house, but no one was around. We searched the yard together for something I could show. But I knew there hadn't been a train for a dozen years or so. All the things I did when I was just a kid. How far away those old memories appear. I guess it's plain to see they still mean a lot to me. Because my ambition was to be an engineer. Daddy, what's a train? Is it something I can ride? Does it carry lots of grown-up folks and little kids inside? Is it bigger than our house? Well, how can I explain when my little boy asked me, Daddy, what's a train? Daddy, what's a train? A lament, I suppose, but... You know, we do have a National Rail Passenger Association. We do have a, a State Rail Passenger Association where I live. Wherever you live, you find out where it is and you join it. Let's restore the best passenger, the best transportation system the world ever saw we used to have. And it was all junked for the sake of what uh, Ken Kesey calls these little motorized coffins. The Wabash system, the old banner line, its motto used to be, Follow the flag. Well, their crack train was from Detroit to St. Louis. Uh, it was called the Wabash Cannonball. Actually, the Wabash Cannonball has a much older story than that. The Wabash Cannonball was an old tramp song, which you call a moniker song. The young, 
the young tramp, the Prussian, one of his jobs was to sit around that jungle fire and sing a song that included the name of every tramp, the moniker, the alias of every tramp that was either around that fire or who had passed away uh, that they knew about. Um, and it was the last train that an old tramp was going to ride on his way to his reward, whatever that might be. That's why there are lines in there like no changes can be taken on the Wabash Cannonball or there's breakfast on the club car. What tramp ever got what breakfast on what, uh, what uh, food car? Well, it stood to reason that a smart railroad like the Wabash system was going to realize the popularity of that song and name one of its crack runs, the, the Wabash Cannonball. I was playing in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I was... I needed to get down to uh, Champaign, Illinois, uh, to play down there at a place called the Red Herring. And I called up the railroad station, and they said, yeah, we have a train going from Detroit to St. Louis that goes through a flag stop called Tolono, about 12 miles south of uh, Champaign. And you're welcome to get on it, but you better get your ticket now because this is the last run. The train is being taken off. So I was on the last run of the Wabash Cannonball. Oh, and as soon as word got out to Nashville, every country singer that was worth his salt was there with his PR man and photographer on that train to have their next album cover taken. It was pretty chaotic. Well, they did let me off at that flag stop, Tolono. I sat for a while on an old baggage cart and watched it, uh, watched it leave the station. And I went off up to, uh, to Champaign to play music. Well, pretty shortly after that, I wrote a song about getting off the train in Tolono. When I recorded the Wabash Cannonball, I was severely taken to task over the phone by a sharp Nashville lawyer who told me that Roy Acuff had written that song and that I owed them some money if I was going to record it. I said, look, I've already talked to the Library of Congress. I've already talked to old tramps. That song was made up by nobody knows who before there was a copyright law, and you're trying to steal some of the people's music, and I'm stealing it back. And he argued with me, and I said, oh, yeah, how was it? that Roy Acuff came to write the Wabash Cannonball. He said, well, Roy Acuff was driving a 1924 Datsun station wagon. He was on his way to an AK-approved dog show in which one of his relatives was entered. Meanwhile, here come a loaded freight train out of Minneapolis, loaded down with baby, baby gravel sorters and comquats, took a bad turn coming out of Cutback, Montana, swerved. You ever try to swerve and move a freight train? Well, it's really hard. Swerved to avoid hitting that Datsun slammed into the side of it, sliced it open like a can of tuna fish, and Roy Acuff leapt up out of the general carnage with this song bubbling from his lips. Atlantic Ocean to the wide Pacific shore, to the green and growing mountains and the south belt by the shore. She ain't so tall and handsome, but she's quite well known by all. She's a modern combination on the Wabash Cannonball. You listen to the jingle, the rumble, and the roar. She glides along the woodlands, through the hills and by the shore. Hear the mighty rush of the engine, hear the lonesome hobo call. Hear traveling through the jungles on the Wabash Cannonball.
Dave to Dandy, so the people always say. From New York to Chicago and Rock Island, by the way. From the hills of Minnesota where the rippling waters fall. No changes can be taken on Wabash Cannonball. You listen to the jingle, the rumble, and the roar. She glides along the woodlands, through the hills and by the shore. Hear the mighty rush of the engine, hear the lonesome hobos call. You're traveling through the jungles on the Wabash Cannonball. Daddy Claxton, may his name forever stand And always be remembered in the courts throughout the land His earthly race is over and the curtains round him fall We'll carry him home to victory on the Wabash Cannonball You listen to the jingle, the rumble and the roar She glides along the woodlands, through the hills and by the shore Hear the mighty rush to the engine, hear the lonesome hobo's call You're traveling through the jungles on the Wabash Cannonball I was headed for Tolono on the Wabash Cannonball Norfolk and Western all the way St. Louis down the line, Detroit somewhere behind. I thought I heard that old conductor say, No round trip ticket, you're on the final run. This cannonball is never coming back. Tomorrow she'll just be another memory and an echo down a rusty railroad track. I got off at Tolono, just below Champaign, a flag stop on the edge of yesterday. The whistle blew a song, I whispered so long, I waved my hand and slowly walked away. And no round trip ticket, you're on the final run, this cannonball is never coming back. Tomorrow she'll just be another memory and an echo down a rusty railroad track i think about tomorrow wonder why it is we give up all the things we love the most and goodbye you old hog i'll have to ride the dog Till they build a subway coast to coast And no round trip ticket, you're on the final run This cannonball is never coming back Tomorrow she'll just be another memory And an echo down a rusty railroad track
Well, there you have it, the Wabash Cannonball. Well, now riding on the trains. I was uh, driving down toward East St. Louis on another trip, known as the dead of winter. There is no sight to my eye more appealing, more filled with, I guess, uh, an honest sentiment about being in America, and that is Illinois in the, in the dead of winter, driving, da driving down through Mahomet on the country roads, trying to get to southern Illinois. Miles and miles of flat snow, every shade of gray and white that you can possibly imagine, and the huge farms so far from each other with their silos look like great white ships, ice-bound ice out on a frozen sea. Got to Decatur. Now, the Decatur Railroad Yard is a hard one to catch freight trains out of. Why? Because there's a Staley soybean factory there that emitted an enormous amount of toxic smoke that blanketed the whole railroad yard. And you know, when they're rolling a boxcar off of the hump, you can't hear it coming, especially if it's loaded. You're just standing there and look up, and suddenly it's uh, right there on top of you. Uh, nobody ever tried to catch out of that uh, that yard in Decatur. So driving through, I picked up um, an old fella that was hitchhiking, had the bindle, had the boots, obviously a tramp on the trains, who wanted to get to East St. Louis, but was, like I say, afraid to try to catch a freight train out of, uh, out of the Decatur yards. His name was Teddy, he said. Probably something else. But you know, most tramps don't want to hitchhike. They wanted the solitude of the freight trains. Why, does, why, do you, why don't you want to hitchhike? Well, because any old tramp knows that uh, somebody picking up a hitchhiker will pick you up because they want to talk. They're in a salesman. They want somebody to, to help keep them awake. But a tramp knows that if you get in a situation where somebody asks the first question, it will start a non-reversible chain of events which will eventually land you in jail. So you never want to be in a situation where even the first question gets asked. Well, so I couldn't talk to him hardly at all. I, I just thought about him and thought about hitchhiking. And I had been out of the East St. Louis yards a number of times on the old uh, Frisco Road, riding Dirty Face. Well, here's a, a song that I made up about that. But I, I was thinking about Teddy when I made it, called The Frisco Road. Feeling I was all alone In the places that I've seen Summer's fat and winter's lean Don't you know I wish that I could go back home I don't know where I left it Though it's always on my mind I ask the same old questions all the time Is the old town still the same? Does anybody know my name? The years slip by like numbers on an endless highway sign I 
and here in the breakdown lane. Don't think I'll make it today. And I wish the road was a big freight train, just a blowin' and rollin' my way. I know the rain wouldn't seem so cold on top of an old boxcar. Wherever it was I was trying to go, it wouldn't seem half so far. I remember the Roper Yard Cafe and a pretty little beanery queen. She gave those jailhouse buds away to a bum she'd never seen. Well, I tipped her with a couple of rhymes on the back of a placemat there. And I've thought about her plenty of times when I couldn't bum a square. For the time we rode on a piggyback, punching the great divide, the blowing snow had iced the track and the train got stuck inside. The diesel fumes they got so thick, I thought we'd all be gassed. They sanded her out just in the nick, punched her through at last. Now I don't claim to be too proud to shag a ride on my thumb, but I'd trade this whole hitchhiking crowd for an honest old railroad bum. And if there ever comes a day when the rails have gone to rust, I'll put my jug and bindle away, just give up in disgust. Beyond these gentle eastern hills, the soft New England sky, to the highball whistles echo still where the mile-long blazers fly. Sitting here by the toll road gates, I wonder as I rest, to the heavy, clanking, lonely freights still thunder away out west. Have you seen the morning sun putting shadows on the run? You were climbing out of some old reefer hole. High above the roaring wheels, then you know just how it feels to ride the tops and watch the prairies roll. I don't know where I left it, though it's always on my mind. I ask the same old questions all the time. Is the old town still the same? Does anybody know my name? The years slip by like numbers on an endless highway sign. Teddy in the Frisco Road, you heard some little bit of Thomas Wolfe in there, didn't you? The heavy, clanking, lonely freights. I only steal from the best. I do like listening to that. That was recorded in 1973 up in Vermont, and, and I could still finger-pick the guitar. You know, something went wrong with my thumb, so I had to stop doing that. And, and I do miss it, but I, I sure like to hear it. Um, I'm going up to Portland on the train here. Uh, oh, very shortly to to do a benefit for a tramp cafe, a, pe- a cafe for people on the streets and the skids in Portland called Sisters of the Road. Of course, that was a great book, Sisters of the Road, written by Boxcar Bertha, actually recited by her, written down by Dr. Ben Reitman, oh, many, many years ago. Um, but I'll be riding the cushions this trip. One thing about riding freight trains, you can't have any heavy appointment calendar as you don't know where they're going. doesn't matter how you get there if you don't know where you're going. It's a good time to invest in the railroad, though. 
You understand. And I don't mean to buy stock in the companies. Uh, I mean, well, take the Salt Lake-San Pedro Railroad, 640 miles from Salt Lake City, Utah, to Lost Wages, Nevada. They tore up the track during the Second World War for scrap, but that roadbed is still there. Some of the most fertile ground in America. You figure three trains a day for 50 years, all them toilets flushing, that bed is composted to a depth of 40 feet by actual measurement. Now, my uncle took his life savings out of the bank and went out and bought himself a long, thin farm. 640 miles long and three furrows wide. And he starts out the beginning of April, plowing, ends up the 4th of July in, in, in lost wages, covered with coal dust and spent on like a typhoid epidemic, but he grows corn 14 feet tall. It's enough to restore your faith in human nature. And he's proud of that cornfield. Stands out in his cornfield every morning, plays the fiddle. It's music to his ears. I've heard suicide notes that were funnier than that. Can I take you up to Forks, Washington? A little town, a little cafe. There was a tramp there named Weepy, because he rode the Western Pacific a lot. It was supposed to be called the Weepy. He was slow. He was one of those who can't keep up, one of those who can't get a job in a highly technological era. So he was out beating the train, sort of the butt of everybody's joke. He he washed dishes there in the kitchen in the cafe and forks, and sometimes people would trip him when he brought the dishes in, and the dishes would go flying, and everybody would honk and laugh. But um, they were still friends. They were still his friends. It's a song that I made for him called Weepy Doesn't Know. Everybody laughing, Weepy doesn't know. He just stands there grinning, I guess he's kind of slow. But Weepy don't get sore, seems like he asked for more. Look at all the broken dishes on the floor. Weepy don't do nothing, there's nothing he can do. Sometimes he takes all morning. Just to find his other shoe Hey, God damn it, Sid Lay off the poor dumb kid Come on, weep I'll show you where it's hid He's so damn good-natured Just laughs and takes his lumps You never see him angry Except when he's croaking gumps But that's no big surprise It's right there in his eyes Looks like Weepy's found him something more his size Just like all these dishes There's something in him broke Don't guess we mean to hurt him When we play our little joke But the social workers say He might have to go away You ask him I bet he'd like to stay Why's everybody laughing? Weepy doesn't know. He just stands there grinning. I guess he's kind of slow. But Weepy don't get sore. Seems like he asked for more. Look at all the broken dishes 
on the floor Club. I forgot to mention on that last song, Weepy Doesn't Know, something you might not have understood. Uh, Croak and Gumps, seems like Weepy sounds something more his size. Gumps are chickens in the, in the old tramp parlance, Croak and Gumps. Um, Weepy, one of the things they did at the cafe was they, they let him go out back, in, back into the chicken yard and, and kill the chickens uh, for the chicken stew. And uh, so he would go do that, and I always did kind of figure that's why... Um, he was able to never get mad at people. Well, I was Spokane to come down here, oh, it was quite a long time ago. I left Spokane because it was a businessman's town. I didn't want to be there. It was a kind of moral, spiritual death hanging out in that rustic burg. Even Lama Tarchin himself, a Tibetan Lama that settled there to open a Zendo, left town. His last words while he was going out of town, he said, it seems like everybody in this town is in their first life. A rather unkind, I thought, and perhaps uncharacteristic of a Tibetan Buddhist, but nonetheless, <clears throat> that impressed me and I moved here. One of the first people I met in Nevada City was a fellow named Dakota Sid Clifford, a, a marvelous songwriter, instrumentalist, carpenter, plumber, auto mechanic. I don't care what it is you need done, this man can do it. And he befriended me, and he produced probably the first show I ever did in Nevada City that had been along about 1975 or 76. Anyway, he told me this story for the first time. And so when I decided to tell this tale, I put him in it as a mark of honor. The toughest person I ever met in my life, I was hitchhiking out of, it's either Cedar Rapids or Rapid City, whichever one is in, the, is in South Dakota, I can't remember. Which, which is it? Thank you. I get lost in a phone booth, you know. <laughs> but I was hitchhiking out of there, and I, I was picked up by a, a car thief by the name of Dakota Sid Clifford. I figured if you want to get where you're going fast, you might as well get picked up by a car thief. <laughs> well, he had, he had scored some kind of little candy apple red unit. I mean, it was pretty. Uh, and the road was straight as an arrow out in front and just as straight behind us. We did some shimmy oscillations up the pike. It was phenomenal. The only thing on that road was a kind of little stuccoed gas station with a faded red Texaco star on a rusty tin sign creaking in the prairie breeze. We pulled in to get some gas. 
Out of that station creaked the oldest artifact I am ever likely to see. In advanced stages of crusty old farthood. <laughs> Stuck his head right in the car window, said, Hot damn, young fella, some fine car you got here. Must have 14 forward speeds on her and 25 cylinders. It's got four and four, Dakota said, Clifford said. Fill it full of the high test. I am in a desperate hurry. Well, he started pumping gas and doing chin music at us. You know how they do. At length, he said, young fella, out back of this station, I've got me a 1932 Plymouth Roadster. It is the fastest car hereabouts. You wouldn't be interested in a little turn, a little contest up the pike, would you, huh? Well, Dakota said, Clifford said, as I told you, I'm in a desperate hurry, and I'm going to stand on this thing, but you're welcome to catch us if you've a mind to. And we roared out of there. Well, ten minutes later, I hunkered down in the chair and looked in the rearview mirror, and there he was. Big cloud of dust behind us, right with us, up through 60, 80, 100, 120 miles an hour. He was right with us. Dakota said, Clifford said, I want that car. <laughs> we pulled off out of the apron, and he bore down on us. We dismounted. He was bearing down on us. I don't know how the hell fast he was going. <laughs> he roared by down about a quarter of a mile, turned around and flew back at us, <laughs> kept going. Twenty times, that fellow roared back and forth in front of us at Dakota Sid Clifford out there waving oil bonds and stock futures and thousand-dollar bills and jewels. Stop! I want to buy our damn car. He began to slow down. Finally stopped right in front of us. Big cloud of dust. Dakota Sid Clifford waved into it, kicking gravel and cinders. There was that old man standing there. But there was no car. What happened to that 1932 Plymouth Roadster, Dakota Sid Clifford said. Old man said, well... I wasn't in it. He took off out of that station so damn fast I got my suspenders caught in your rear bumper. I... <laughs> Every word is true. I, I swear to God. Every, well, thank you, Sid. Hope you're doing well. The longest stint on the freight trains in my life was when I got back from Korea, where I had served as a soldier and as a volunteer. <laughs> Someday, I'm going to take all that trunk full of notes. I've got boxes in the crawl space above our house full of notes about being in Korea. Someday, I'll take the time to sit down and digest all of that, maybe put it together into a book or a book of poems or a collection of stories. I don't know. I'm still digesting it. Whatever happened there was dissettling enough that when I got off of the train in, in Seattle, I, I got on board the freight trains and roamed about for a couple of years, drunk most of the time. I'll give you a poem that I wrote the day before I left from Incheon in, in Korea on the troop ship Mitchell. And then uh, I play for you a song that comes out of that time too, a song I made up and lost, and then it, it came back to me. Uh, this poem is called Learning. The song is called The Trooper's Lament. Learning. Standing in the alleys of Yongsan, I wonder if Pyongyang looks the same. Everything broken, endless mud, children searching for someone. Tomorrow the looking will end and the begging will begin. Soldiers move briskly, confidently among the ruins of what we have done to each other. We did it, not because we wanted to, but because we were told to. Well, it's done now. Tomorrow I'll go home and to where the tellers are. If there's any purpose to what I have done here, it is the certainty that I will never again do what I am told. 
I sailed from Seattle, far away from friends and home. Across the blue Pacific to the land of morning calm. Here's a helmet and a rifle and your prophylactics too. And as sure as I'm your captain, we will make a man of you. The 105s were pounding and their thunder shook the night. I asked my bold commander, who am I here to fight? It's the slopes and the slants, it's the gooks and chinks, said he. And I wondered if their captain ever said the same of me. I've seen the mountain winter where the air is cold and still. But all oh, that frozen chosen, it was a living hell. With the fever and the jaundice and a hundred kinds of mold, we were slaughtered in our mummy bags by bayonets and cold. And everywhere I traveled from the gap at Kumari, the Yongsan Reservation to the camps at Moonsani, from the golden plains of Inchon, my boots rotting on my feet, all I heard were crying babies while their mothers walked the street. We bought watches, we bought cameras, we bought whores and we bought booze. With the little barefoot beggars bending down to shine our shoes. We gave them back our candy and to answer our desire. Oh, we gave them round-eyed babies who died outside the wire. I got off in Seattle and I climbed on board a train. I rode it through the mountains with a fever in my brain. I could find no reason to remain here anymore. Oh, there was no sign around me of the life I'd lived before. Then what's the pride in country if it robs a man of will? What's the pride in manhood if a man will rape and kill? And what's the pride in killing if the dead will rise again? Ah, but there's a pride in knowing that the enemy's within. So listen, all you troopers, here's a lesson you should know. From an older brown shoe soldier who marched off long ago, they will use your pride and passion for to settle all their fights. Keep your pride in your trousers and the captain in your sights. Well, there's a lot of anger in that, isn't there? And that's exactly what I felt. And dealing with that anger was probably a major struggle in my life for a long time. It still is. The idea is you can't get rid of the anger, but to get rid of the behavior that goes with it. I finally uh, fetched up in Salt Lake City in a place called the Joe Hill House. Well, I've talked about that before. A house for transients and migrants started by the Catholic worker Ammon Hennessy, whom I met in about his, oh, 67th year. Um, he took people in off of the street. He took people in out of the alleys. He never turned anybody away. He was a Catholic anarchist pacifist and... Uh, uh, the people, the cops would come and say, the, uh, the law says you can only sleep 25 people here. Then Ammon would say, well, I'll sleep 26. If you told me I could sleep 50, I'd sleep 51. And, of course, as the years went by, the cops, instead of vagging a drunk and throwing him in the drunk tank, you'd see in the, in the uh, register at the police station, sent to Joe Hill House, sent to Joe Hill House, because, of course, it saved the county a lot of money. And we were able to deal with that in a, a far more humane manner. There was a quotation on one window by John Dewey, and I can't remember what it was, but on the other one was a quote from Eugene V. Debs. While there is a lower class, I am in it. While there is a working class, I am of it. While there is a soul in prison, I am not free. Of course, it was Ammon that taught me to deal with the, that capacity for violence. 
changed my life and continues to do it. Ammon spoke every Friday night a Catholic worker tradition about people he'd known. Speak to the tramps or the students that would come in. Clarence Darrow he'd known, Eugene V. Debs, Lucy Parsons. And then we'd sing, me and the Cajun, a Catholic worker from down Louisiana. Ammon had a favorite song uh, that he'd always ask for. Actually, his favorite song was Bluebell, a song from the Civil War, and I couldn't sing it because I'd never find the words. If you've got the words to Bluebell, please send them to me. But failing that, his favorite song was Woody Guthrie's last song called I've Got to Know. I have set some new verses to this because I figured that Woody wouldn't mind. Why do your warships sail on my waters? Why do your death bombs fall from my sky? Why do you burn my farm and my town down? I've got an old friend, I've got to know why. What makes your ships haul death to my people? Nitro blockbusters, big cannons and guns Why can't your ship bring food and some clothing? I've got to know, yes, I've got to know why I've got to know, yes, I've got to know, friend Hungry lips ask me wherever I go Comrades and friends all falling around me I've got to know, yes, I've got to know What good work did you do? I'd like to ask you To give you my money right out of my hands I built your big house to hide from my people why do you hide so I've got to know Why can't we spend more to build homeless shelters Why are the homeless here anyhow Fortunes are building on greed and on killing I've got to know, yes, I've got to know now I've got to know, yes, I've got to know, friend Hungry lips ask me wherever I go Comrades and friends all falling around me I've got to know, yes, I've got to know You keep me in jail, you lock me in prison your hospital's jammed and your crazy house full What made your cop hurt my unarmed peace worker? I've got to know, yes, I've got to know why My friends are dying from AIDS and from cancer The big money goes where your death missiles fly Built by good workers, paid by war taxes I've got to know, yes, I've got to know why 
I've got to know, yes, I've got to know, friend. Hungry lips ask me wherever I go. Comrades and friends all falling around me. I've got to know, yes, I've got to know. Oh, yeah, song for him and Hennessy. My great teacher. Everybody everybody has one great teacher in their life, although sometimes they don't know it. We used to, at the Joe Hill house, have to send somebody over the, through the Moffat Tunnel down into Denver, up over the Rockies. A lot of the older Transfer Second World War vets with medical disabilities would tramp over there to Larimer Street. We didn't know if they were going to come back, if they wanted their medical records transferred to the Army Hospital over there. So one or the other of us had to get on the freight trains and go over and scour the skids and, and ask that question. I came through Denver on the bus after I'd gotten into this trade, and we went through Larimer Street. It was called Larimer Square then. All the, the old buildings were still there, but they were now full of boutique-tacky joints, and I couldn't uh, find any of my old friends. So as I sat on that bus on my way up to Fort Collins, I made up this song called "It's called Larimer Street. Now, there's some uh, harsh language in here, but like Jack Conway said, we prefer a rude vigor to a polished banality. The bulldozer's rolling through my part of town The iron ball swings and knocks it all down You knock down the flop house and knock down the bars Black topped it over to park all your cars And where would I go? And where can I stay? You knock down the skid road and haul it away now flag a fast rattler and ride it on down, boys. They're running the bums out of town. Old Maxie the tailor is closing his doors. There ain't nothing left in the secondhand stores. You knock down my hock shop in the big harbor lights. And the old Chinese cafe that was open all night. And where will I go? And where can I stay? When you've knocked down the skid road and hauled it away Now flag a fast rattler and ride it on down Boys, they're running the bums out of town Well, you ran out the hookers who worked on the street And built a big club where the playboys can meet My boogie joint closed when your cops pulled a raid But you built a new hall for the stock market trade And where will I go? And where can I stay? You knock down a skid road and haul it away. Now flag a fast rattler and ride it on down, boys. They're running the bums out of town. These little storekeepers, they don't have a chance. With the big uptown bankers a call in the dance. With their suit and tie restaurants that's all owned by Greeks. The counterfeit hippies and their plastic boutiques. And where will I go? And where can I stay? You knock down the skid road and haul it away. I'll flag a fast rattler and ride it on down, boys. They're running the bums out of town. Now I'm finding out there's just one kind of war. The one going on between the rich and the poor. I don't know a lot about what you'd call class, but the upper and middle can all kiss my ass. And where will I go? 
And where can I stay? You knock down the skid road and haul it up. Well, we faded that out, but I think you got the point. Uh, I, just, I don't want to run out of time here before I have a chance to tell you about an old friend of many of us who has uh, fallen ill, Spider John Kerner. You remember him from uh, uh, Kerner, uh, uh, Grover Kerner? <laughs> I can't remember it. Um, Kerner Ray and Glover, yeah. Well, Spider John is a friend. He's been out here a number of times. Spider John Kerner had a heart attack, had a triple bypass surgery there in Minneapolis, you know. We want to send him all best wishes. Uh, he's a, he, Spider John is a folk singer. He's one of the few people I know who has the courage to sing folk songs, and that is to say songs that are not owned by anybody. So let's go out with Spider John Kerner singing old railroad, traditional railroad song called The Danville Girl. Good morning, Mr. Railroad Man What time do your trains roll by? 9.16 and 2.44 25 minutes to find 9.16 and 2.44 25 minutes to find Thank you, Mr. Railroad Man I think I want your train roll by Ten thousand miles away from home, I was bombing a railroad train. When I got off at Danville, I got stuck on a Danville girl. You bet your life, she was mighty nice. She wore them Danville curls. I walked up to that kindness, and I asked for something to little piece of cornbread, yes, a little piece of meat. She took me to her kitchen, yes, and she treated me nice and fine. Got me out of the notion of bombing all the time. She wore her head on the back of her head like the high tone of people do. But the very next train come down the line. I bid that girl to do Well, that's that for Loafer's Glory, the Hobo Jungle of the Mind. Thank you for being with me this Sunday. Well, it's Sunday here. I don't know what time it is where you are. And always remember to tap it light. How about this from Stephen Crane? In the desert I saw a creature, naked, bestial, who, squatting upon the ground, held his heart in his hands and ate of it. I said, is it good, friend? It is bitter, bitter, he answered, but I like it because it is bitter and because it is my heart. 
If I should cast off these tattered garments and go free into the mighty sky, if I should find nothing there but a vast blue, echoless, ignorant, what then?